What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Flippin' Bats, where we got a great guest about to join. Stud, rookie pitcher for the Houston Astros, Hunter Brown, is about to join me, and this is a blast of a conversation. We're going to talk about his call-up right during the playoff push last year and pitching in the playoffs, the World Series Parade, getting some funny stories from him about the World Series Parade. Um, he grew up being a huge fan of Justin's, and their mechanics are very similar, and then they become teammates. So asking him a lot about that and how cool it was to be able to be teammates with him. Uh, man, this is going to be a blast of a conversation. We, th we have a lot of fun. He shares some great Dusty Baker stories of them fishing out on the lake. Um, and of course, this one's going to be important to Astros fans. Bucky's an In-N-Out versus Whataburger. He's got some strong takes here. <laughs> you got to hear his answer. This one's going to be a lot of fun. Without further ado, let's bring him in now and welcome in starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, Hunter Brown. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. All right, and I am pumped now to be joined by starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, Hunter Brown, in his official rookie season. Hunter, thank you for joining me, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate of, it. Of course. I, I want to start with last year with you. You come up late in the year, September, make your debut in the middle of a playoff push for the Houston Astros. Well, maybe not much of a push because they were already in, but I digress. In the middle of a playoff push, right before the playoffs, you make your debut in September against the Rangers. I think it was six innings, no runs. It was nasty. What do you remember about that day, coming up in September and making your big league debut? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like, uh, you know, most people say, dream come true, blah, 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 yeah. that whole – that whole nine yards, but actually I had a, uh, uh, Anthony Bass, who was, a um, alumni of Wayne State, which is where I went to college. He, he texted me that morning and he said, um, he said, Hey man, no matter how today goes, like you, you're going to forever be a big leaguer after today. So just go out there and, and just let it eat kind of thing. So, you know, that was like the start of my day where it kind of, kind of held me like, you know, just get into the moment and get into like, hey, man, I'm just about to, you know, pitch another game, make another start here. It just so happens to be in, in the big league. So, you know, he kind of he kind of helped lead me into into a good frame of mind. But then, like, you know, before it, it was just everything that, that you think of and yeah. everything that you dream of. You know, the lights are are big and bright and, you know, the adrenaline's running high and and you just kind of you get that fulfillment of like, hey, man, I've been working for however long and here and here we are and it wasn't that much longer really into your big league career when you're pitching in game one of the playoffs for the Astros against the Mariners honestly a great series every game was pretty close for the most part obviously game three you pitched in that as well but game one you're tasked with coming in out of the bullpen and pitching in that game where are the nerves at then <laughs> yeah so um I kind of knew I kind of knew my role was going to be like maybe uh, you know what my pocket was going to be, and then obviously where where maybe the game was going to be if we had a you know a little bit bigger lead or you know down by by a little bit more. So 
you know, it was kind of, I think it was seven to four at the time. And I, you know, that phone rings. I'm like, Oh man, here we go. It might be me. And sure enough, sure enough, Brownie get going. So, um, yeah, it's just, like I said, adrenaline spike, it was probably bigger than, than my, my, um, my debut, but that's also probably in part to being in the bullpen. Um, you know, everything kind of just happens a little bit quicker out there. You don't have, you know, quite your own pace and routine where you can kind of get going. It's just like, Hey man, fire it up and, and get out there. So, but that was awesome. I mean, the, the, the crowd here in Houston, unbelievable. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're pitching big league playoff baseball. It doesn't get much better than that. And then you got to pitch in that 17 inning zero, zero ball game. You threw two innings. I don't even remember which two innings you pitched. It was later in the game. Was it, I mean, did you, were you expecting to pitch in that game or was it kind of like, we're running out of guys, Hunter, we need you. Yeah, it started, you know, you kind of, the phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. And then, you know, you're like, you look around <laughs> in the bullpen, you're like, oh man, there's only a couple of us left here. So I'm probably going to, probably going to get another shot. And, you know, the Mariners fans let me know how much, uh, how much I was probably going to blow that game <laughs> in that bullpen out there. But <laughs> You know, we ended up coming out on top, and and that was, I mean, that day was was crazy. That was probably, I mean, that was the craziest game I've ever been a part of. You know, it was zero zero till till the eighteenth inning, and I don't even know how many hours it took, but that place was jumping for for the entirety of it. So it was, it was great. That's what I was gonna. Normally in a regular season, a game is zero zero into the seventeenth, and everybody's miserable. Both teams just want it to end. But obviously, playoffs, it's a completely different scenario. It was the first playoff game in Seattle in over 21 years. Uh, obviously, the game means everything. I mean, that place had to be going insane during that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was – I thought that day was, like, the loudest of any in the uh, – well, maybe not the World Series where when Jordan put us up at home to, to pretty much seal the deal. But that was, that was right there with it, you know, with just wow. – just an ongoing roar for just hours and hours. It was, it was great, man. You end up pitching once in the ALCS against the Yankees and then world series happens. You guys end up winning the world series. Have you ever, or did you at this time step back and think I've been a big leaguer for like 60 days. I've made my debut. I've pitched in the playoffs. I've won a world series. Should this be happening? <laughs> Yeah, I think you definitely ask yourself that. And then uh, it was actually probably like the second or third game of the World Series. I was looking back like, OK, you know, we didn't win any conference titles when I was at school. And then, you know, we won we won the AAA league uh, one year that I was there. I was like, man, you know, the first the first real thing I'm going to win is going to be the World Series. It's <laughs> <is> pretty incredible. <laughs> That's so insane. That, that was crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, I need your best World Series parade story. Ooh. I've gotten well, a few actually, over, the, over the years. I can give you some time to think, but over the years, okay. I've had last, last two years, I guess. So I've had some Astros guys on and some Braves. The Braves parade, if you remember, went viral because that bus was going like 80 miles an hour through the parade. <laughs> and yeah. players were like, we were getting beers chucked at us from the rooftops and like scared for our lives. I feel like I always end up getting a funny parade story. Yeah, well, for me, so it started with um, they kind of sent me to run around and and try and get try and get beers and, and coolers and stuff <laughs> from the other boats to bring them to the yeah. to the other float where 
you know, most of the guys were and that. So that was kind of a dummy mission. I couldn't really, I couldn't really, <laughs> you know, acquire any of these items that they had yeah. on the list. So I was running around like chicken with my head cut off for a little bit. <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know. I saw, I was with JJ next to him on the, flo- uh, on the, uh, on the float. And I just, man, this person just hucked this beer. And I, <laughs> I just kind of dove and hit the deflection. Otherwise it would, it would have drilled them right in the face. But oh. Other than that, I mean, it was just it was just crazy day. Like you yeah. said, beers flying, people are cheering. I mean, I'd never seen such just a wave of people I packed in. There were I like mean, three million. It was over two million uh, people. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, we were looking up at at the um, like parking structures, and there's people hanging off on the you know eleventh eleventh floor of a parking structure, kind of you know holding on, hanging over the edge. I'm like, man, this is just unbelievable stuff jeez and then so this year you guys get your rings from the world series um have you ever have you worn the ring ever just when we um just when we got them put them on for the pictures other than that i've just kind of been staring at it here and there where is it (laughs) it's uh it's just it's at my house locked up ready ready to go for a special occasion maybe when we (laughs) run it back this year um so that that year last year win a world series you become teammates with my brother justin and my question to you because i i've heard this story many times and there's a lot of there were a lot of stories when you made your debut but you grew up in detroit and a big fan of the detroit tigers and have said you were a big fan of justin but i've heard everything all over the place so in terms of fandom are we talking like idol growing up or just like a massive fan where where was justin in terms of you growing up being a fan yeah i mean well first things first it was hard to be any kid in michigan at the time especially you know when i'm nine to 12 years old watching him you know win an mvp and cy young and not just be a huge Justin verlander fan but um yeah i mean he was probably my favorite pitcher on the team it wasn't like I mean, I, I, I feel maybe because I was older, it wasn't like I walked in the clubhouse. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's him. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, I mean, they they had some great pitchers. I was I was a big fan of uh, Joel Zumaya as well as you know Scherzer, David Price. I mean, I was a Doug Fister fan as well. Like, I mean, they just had so many great arms over over the years, and and obviously great teams too. But yeah, I can't talk about you know, it too he, much without getting disappointed in the results. I, I know, <laughs> I know. They, I thought, I thought 2012 was the year, but um, yeah. So he was. I mean, he was. He was the ace. He was. He was the big dog. He was the one that you know you kind of you kind of wanted to be like, and that's kind of what where people probably got the story was. Yeah. You know, I used to, when I was a kid, I was in. You know, we play wiffle ball in the backyard, and you know, you just like anybody else, you, you mock batting stances or, or pitching motions or whatever it is. And, and I, I just always tried to do my windup like, like him. And, you know, then by the time I got to high school and then college and then so on and so forth, it just kind of stuck. And then, you know, it's similar, but he's, he's a lot bigger and throws from a lot higher arm slots. So there are a lot of differences in, in the mechanics, but yeah, I guess the, the flow of it and the rhythm definitely stamped from. Yeah, him. definitely. And you can see it. There was that side-by-side video and it, it is, it's, it's cool to see. And, you know, it does make sense if everybody imitates like Jeff Bagwell, Gary Sheffield in the back, in the backyard playing wiffle ball, but you do do pitching motions as well. And it's cool that yeah. obviously being from Detroit, you do Justin and some of those things just 
stick with you, you know, like as a kid, you stick with it. Next thing you know, those are your mechanics and you still tweak them throughout your life. But that's kind of the basis of where it all started was um, from watching a lot of Justin, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What was, uh, do you remember you get called up? Maybe this wasn't your first conversation, but do you remember your first ever conversation with Justin and what it was like? Yeah, actually, um, it was before I was I was in the big leagues, um, and we still had uh, Strami was the pitching coach here, and yeah. I, I threw a bullpen um, in in spring training, and he just uh, he said, "Oh, you know, like he's like, yeah, looking good, man. Like we'll definitely, you know, kind of be be in talks a little bit more, have a yeah. meeting or whatever." So then him and uh, him and Dusty kind of call me to the office, and they just hand me a a piece of paper and it's got a phone number on it and he said hey this is justin's number just give <laughs> him a, cool. give him a shout so yeah i gave him a call and you know just said hey man big fan obviously i'm in the organization blah blah blah. and you know he was he was doing his tj stuff at the yeah. time so he he wasn't in camp um but you know he just was like yeah man it was great to hear from you if you ever need anything let me know and then you know fast forward however long and then we were teammates and it was just you know it was great. <laughs> That's really cool. You probably don't, when you originally call, you're probably not asking too many questions or asking for tips, but when you guys become teammates, naturally that's going to happen. I mean, over the course of the few right. months that you guys are in the big leagues and teammates together, was there something you relied on him for or leaned on him or asked him questions and learned from him? Yeah. I mean, just kind of watching his, his daily routine is um was the thing that i was most impressed with you know obviously he's he's a creature of habit most of us are but he kind of takes it to a whole new level um and and honestly my favorite thing is watching watching just his his throwing program every day what he's working on you know whether it's a higher intensity bullpen or you know just going out there the day after a start and playing catch but just just kind of watching him do that stuff and kind of picking his brain on, on what he's trying to accomplish day to day was was really cool for me and that was where I kind of I kind of felt the most benefit from you know what what you can kind of focus on yeah. and change and over the course of the season what what you need to do to to maintain success you know are you as superstitious as he is yeah in ways probably not as much um <laughs> like I was afraid <laughs> I, I would say maybe not afraid but he was when he when it was his start day I didn't even want to like make eye contact with him no. you know I wanted to just like I didn't want to, not that I would because he's so locked in, but I didn't want to have any effect on what he was doing. Like I didn't, I wanted to just be like kind of a shadow <laughs> that he would just walk, he would just walk by. I think most of the guys probably felt that way. Cause yeah, man, he's just locked in all the time. Locked in as can be. I will never forget. I was, I was pretty young. He's nine years older than me. So he's been in the big league since I was what, like 12, 13 years old. And I'll forever remember one time uh, my family, we're from Virginia. We went up to Baltimore to watch him pitch. And I forget how this happened, but my dad and I were like down in the field for BP or something right before the game. And Justin was pitching and he comes walking out of the dugout. And I was literally at like the top of the steps. I didn't see him, but I saw him pass me. He legitimately almost ran over me. And after the game, I was like, dude, you almost hit me. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I was right there on the field. He goes, oh, I didn't even see you. So even yeah. if you did kind of get in his way, he might just run over you and not even, not even know you're there. It's, it's crazy exactly. on game days. Um, all right, let's go down memory lane with the Tigers for a second because it was, I think you were eight years old in 06 when Maglio hit that walk-off home run to go to the World yeah. Series, and it is still to this day one of the greatest memories of my entire life. I, I think I was 14 at the time. 
one are are you old enough to even remember that moment yeah yeah i know i was right there right in the middle of my living room watching <laughs> the game with my dad and as soon as he made contact with that ball man just screams of joy you knew I mean, it had been so yeah you knew it was over and it, it had been so long um I mean, 84, right? I think was the last time yeah. that they, they won it in 84, but I think it was the last time they went even. So that was, uh, I mean, yeah, just iconic moment, really. That was my, it sticks, it'll be in my brain forever. Placido Polanco running around the bases, throwing his hands up in the air. I mean, that was, that was really cool. Do you have a, a favorite from growing up? Do you have a favorite Tigers memory? Yeah, it was just, uh, we, my school went when we were, I don't know, it might have been, fifth or sixth grade just took a took a field trip and um it was just like a random day game and brandon inch hit a walk-off home run it wasn't like <laughs> very it wasn't like a super significant game but i just remember being there with all with all my buddies growing up and it was just great just great great day to be at the ballpark yeah. you know it was, it was awesome and i was a big brandon inch fan as well brandon inch so. is great i love that guy um so i want to let's step back for a second into your career you end up being Drafted in the fifth round out of Wayne State, as you mentioned earlier, which, well, first off, why why Wayne State for you? Was it like, was it your only offer? Did you have bigger ones but always wanted to go there? What was the reasoning behind Wayne State for you? Yeah, so a couple couple different reasons. Um, you know, it was close to home, um, and I didn't have all, – all my offers in general were around the, around the area, whether they were NAIA, D3, um, didn't matter. So – those those were kind of my options, and then Eastern Michigan wanted me to redshirt and be like a bullpen catcher and throw some bullpens a too bullpen as a freshman. Catcher. Oh my god! Yeah, so I was. I mean, I caught in high school, and I was. Yeah. You know, I was. I was definitely better at catching than pitching up until probably my <laughs> senior year. So it made sense, but you know, then I threw. Uh, I threw at this camp, and and the the Wayne State coach saw me, and he was like, "Hey, man, we think you know you can play here as a freshman." and I was like, oh, wow. So go catch bullpens and watch a bunch of baseball for a year or, you know, play right away. So it was kind of a no brainer for me. And, you know, I think if, if things had worked out differently and, and I wasn't going to play uh, baseball at the collegiate level, I probably would have went to Wayne state for school anyway. Yeah. So um, yeah, it just kind of was a perfect fit, perfect fit for me. Every, uh, I feel like every team has their like third backup emergency catcher, just in case. Is there ever, you ever going to vie with Dusty Baker to be the, the Astros emergency catcher? <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I already am. Man, so. <laughs> but he just doesn't know that yet. <laughs> That's great. So you end up being drafted 2019 in the fifth round. What was your draft day story, your draft day experience like? How cool was it for you? Oh, it was awesome. And it, and it caught me by surprise, too. So I, I knew, did. I mean, I knew I wasn't good. I knew I wasn't going day one. Yeah. Um, I just, I just knew that. And then, so I'm thinking, okay, day two, got a good chance here. Um, yeah. And I was just sitting at the, at the living room with, with my family at, uh, at my dad's house. And, you know, we were just kind of, I was expecting to go to the giants in the sixth round. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was kind of, you know, fifth round rolls around. I'm kind of just patiently waiting. And then, yeah, it just it, the pick came in. It was Houston Astros, and then it was me. I was like, "Oh man, holy crap!" This is, <laughs> I just got drafted, so here we go. So you had no <laughs> so, call like from your agent or anybody. You were legitimately shocked when you heard your name. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I had Damn. no idea I was getting picked there. So it was it was awesome. I mean, it was, I think it definitely made it better. Um, you know, because it wasn't so like I guess scripted. It was very much so in the moment. And it was just, oh man, it was just 
so much happiness, so much joy, and yeah. it, was just a, it was a wonderful day. I don't think I've even told this on the show. But I've told my draft day story is I was in the 14th, and it was very, very cool, but very normal. But I don't think I've ever told the story of Justin's. But it's crazy because Justin went second overall, but it was so long ago <laughs> that yeah. it was like pre, like you know, it was it was a very different process. It definitely wasn't on TV. You kind of like had to listen to it on the radio. There was a way you could do, so. We had a bunch of people over for this draft day, but my dad messed up the technical aspect of the of the radio and the stereo oh, system yeah. we had out. So we missed Justin's name being called in the draft because my dad couldn't figure out the radio. <laughs> but he actually got a call from um, from the Tigers, and that's how he figured it out. But the whole situation was was wild, and <laughs> we, yeah, we that missed is, the call. That is a lot different. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot different at the time. So you end up playing uh, your first year in the New York Penn League for the Valley Cats, actually, in Tri-City. My question for you is, is that guy still sitting behind the net with that big beard screaming Bamos Gatos the whole time behind home plate? Yeah. White, <laughs> huge white huge beard. Huge white beard. I remember being yep. on deck. Every He'd just start, like, screaming. And even before the sound would start going off, the guy, the guy would, like, start the chant in the stadium. Apparently he's a legend around there. Yeah, so we uh, at the time we were still like doing the radar gun and stuff uh, on days that like days after yeah, you yeah. pitched during the game. So, you know, I would I actually had a couple conversations with him out there sitting with him. But yeah, just what a what a, a personality. I mean, yeah, he keeps he keeps the stadium going. Everybody people love him, so it's great. Do you have a New York Penn League story? I just had the reason I ask is I just had Mike Ustremski on a couple weeks ago. And we were in the New York Penn League at the same time. We were in the All-Star game together that our first year together. And we look back on that time and just think, like, we became professional athletes and you end up playing in a place like the Vermont Lake Monsters where the locker room is on a slab of, like, dirt. Like, you're, on, you're literally showering yeah. on, like, dirt. When you look back at the New York Penn League, do you have any crazy stories like that? Yeah, so I was gonna say actually the the one that was the most shocking was was Vermont. It's we, always Vermont. I mean, we were <laughs> we they like parked the bus next to the building. Yeah, and we were like changing outside outside, not even <laughs> in the building and not on the bus. It was like right in between. They kind of just blocked it off for us. So because they they only had a couple showers, so they kind of filed us in and uh, in yeah. and out. It's literally like um, a shack so that was, under high school football bleachers, basically. Yeah, it was it was wild, but I mean, you know, I was I played some I played D two, so I kind of knew I didn't I didn't know exactly what I was getting into, but yeah. I, I was I was ready for any adversity because <laughs> you know we, we we dealt with some stuff like that, changing on the bus or whatnot. But um, a good story would be I, I wish I remember the guy's name, and you know, some of the guys I played with in spring training, or whatever, sometimes will get brought up, but. There was this. He it was in the Red Sox farm system. Man, I wish I remembered his name. But if you you've been to to the New York Penn League, you've been to where the the Valley Cats play. There's like yeah, like kind of pine trees deep out there, and mm -hmm. they got the sign that says it's like 400 and something feet, and it says how many Jose Altuve's it is, right? <laughs> and then there's like this row of pine trees back there, and you know the lights don't even go that far. This guy, yeah. this is like one of my first games there. He hits this ball. And I mean, I've never, I'd never seen a ball go as far, oh you know, he, he parked it over these pine trees. He went man. over it the pine just, trees. Yeah. It was, it had to have been like a 510 foot home. <laughs> like it was the most unbelievable thing I had ever witnessed. Just 
jaw to the floor and I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is pro ball. I mean, some guys got some serious tools here. <laughs> so it was, it was awesome. <laughs> is you don't, is, is the guy a big leaguer? You don't even remember his name? No, I, I, I can't for the life of me remember who it was, but it was just one of those moments where I was like, man, that is gotta be the furthest ball I've ever seen. Hit. Dude, in the pen, one of my first games, um, we were playing Lowell. We were playing the Lowell Spinners, and Mauricio Dubon was on that team. And we, you know, like you become fairly close with guys you're playing against, even especially like middle infielders and offensive guys. We end up talking out there all the time. But there was a play where I slid into second base and like hit him pretty hard, obviously unintentionally. I'm not like a spikes up guy, but I slid into him and we talked for a second. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. Well, fast forward to last year in the World Series. He comes up to me and goes, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? How are you? And he pulls up his sleeve. He has a scar on his arm. And he's like, you did this. I was like, oh, my God. I haven't <laughs> talked to you in like 10 years. And I just created a scar on your arm a long time ago. I felt awful about it. But it's just like a funny, like, full circle moment, I guess. Yeah, he's never he's never for, going to forget. Dude, he probably saw you. He's ready to throw some. I know. I was like, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Uh, so that year well right after that COVID happens and from then you end up shooting right through the minor leagues and have a really good minor league career but I ask everybody this question because it's the phone call that everybody wants that I was close to but never got your call up to the big leagues moment how did it happen where were you what happened so I'll, I'll go into some details here so it was actually it was on my birthday I was uh we were in Vegas, so it was a great week as it was playing in Vegas. Um, and so we had a flight that was for the off day. And in AAA last year, at least, it was every every Monday was an off day. So I think our flight was not till like 6 p.m. or something like that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, flights from Vegas to Houston probably can't be too bad. You know, I'm thinking maybe a couple hundred bucks. So uh, a teammate of mine, Chad Donato and myself were like, yeah, man, we're just going to you know, get out of Dodge, get out of here early in the morning, you know, get the off day at home. So I called Mickey, who's the AAA manager. I was like, Hey man, do you mind if I, if I catch a flight early here? Like yeah. this is on Saturday or Friday or something like that. He's like, yeah, man, no problem. So fast forward to Sunday, Sunday evening after the game, Mickey comes in the locker room and he's like, all right, um, anybody who thinks that they got a flight home, like you need to come see me in my office. Like kind of, <laughs> kind of seemed like you know bothered like i'm like oh man like i you know i called him i was thinking you know it's gonna go okay because he see he, you know he seemed kind of frustrated and he yeah. so he sits me down and he's like he's like yeah so sorry man i know i told you that you can do this but like the organization isn't you know isn't too happy with with guys trying to get their own flights home especially when they're supposed to be going to arlington instead of houston and i was i was just like what he's like yeah, man, like you're going to the big leagues. You'll, you'll meet the team in, in, in Arlington. And I was just like, oh, man, I just started crying, like, yeah. you know, big hugs all around. It was, it was great. But, yeah, he definitely he definitely did as probably as best as uh, as I could have imagined delivering me the news. So that was awesome. And that was a special day, obviously. Um, yeah, I called my family crying on the phone. It's yeah. my birthday. It was just it was a great day. Oh, what a birthday. It's going to be tough to ever top that birthday in your life now. Yeah, my 24th birthday. I don't think it'll get much better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I got a couple fun questions for you before we finish up. First one being, favorite stadium that you have gotten to play in so far in your big league career, other than Minute Maid. Take that out of it. 
Okay. Um, right, it's good. It, not a lot of people are going to like this. I love playing at the Trop. I love the Whoa. Trop. Whoa! Yeah. Why? I, I think it's great. <laughs> I just – I love the mound there. I like the clubhouse. I just – I enjoy it. I don't know. And then I know a lot of people – don't like that play it's probably because they're you know they're they're playing with the you know i don't have to worry about defense as much catch fly yeah. balls out there so it doesn't bother me any but um and then i like camden yards a lot i think that's a great great stadium you'll appreciate this as obviously growing up in detroit you're a tigers fan so my when i was playing in the minor leagues you know those games right before right before the season right after spring training it's those exhibition games in major league stadiums so yeah. my, I forget what year it was when I was in the minors, but I was a part of that exhibition game and ours with the Tigers that year was at the Trop against the Rays. So, you know, you never know when the, when the starters are going to want to come out, but I had heard, Hey, you're going to go in for Justin Upton whenever he comes out. Well, Jay up was good with like one at bat. So it's like the second <laughs> inning and I'm going into left field. And in this game, everybody else was still in. So like Miggy was at third base, Jose Iglesias was at shortstop and I'm in left field for the first time playing outfield at the trop. And uh, of course, like second batter of me in the game comes, uh, hits a pop up into shallow left. So I start running in and I call the ball, but my thought goes to, well, I can't run over Miguel Cabrera. I will be released on the spot and be, nobody <laughs> will ever like me again in my life. So I'm running in, but I look down just to make sure Miggy and Iglesias are getting out of the way because obviously I don't want to run over them. And when I look back up, I lost the ball. It was just gone. Like I, I literally it. couldn't find it anywhere. And I end up, uh, I saw it like last second and caught it like back behind my head. But it is the real well, deal. You, did, you, you can, did catch it then. I caught it, but you can okay, you cannot you. <laughs> take your your eye off the ball in that stadium. You You legitimately just can't do it. Yeah, I've been out there shagging and I'll, you know, we don't, we don't take very many hard breaks out towards the ball and, and BP, but <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, you, you look down for one second, look back up, man. It's so great. You can't, you can't find anything. So I definitely, I know what you're saying and I feel, I feel for the guys out there, but I, I personally just love the mound, love pitching there. So do you have that's, a, that's number one for me. Do you have a least favorite? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't. Um, I mean, I guess right now probably, probably uh, Angel Stadium because I pitched there once Ooh. and it didn't go too high that for me. Into so it. I got, <laughs> yeah, I got a personal vendetta there. Uh, Everybody's answers but... are always either the Oakland Coliseum or somewhere that they got rocked or like went over four with four punches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely, definitely there. But hopefully, changes flip the script sometime this year. What's something about Dusty Baker that most people wouldn't know? Ooh, wouldn't know. Or a funny story you have he, about Dusty. Well, first of all, Dusty might be one of the coolest guys I've That's ever great. met. This guy, <laughs> yeah, his life has just been unbelievable. So I've had I've had the chance to go fishing with him a couple times, which has been what? which That's has been great. awesome. Yeah, he's quite the uh he's quite the angler, you know. He 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 loves fishing, but he, you know, and what I find so cool is he's like, uh, you know, when you're out there, I don't know, you've been fishing on a boat, I'm sure, yeah. or at least done some sort of activity yeah. like that, you know, just normal conversation happens. And we, we were, we were coming into the, to the canal at the end of the one day and 
you know, he pointed at a boat and he's like, oh, that one kind of reminds me of the one that uh, my buddies from Fleetwood Mac had. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, he just says this in passing like it's nothing. And I'm just like, dude, you are just, you have lived a great life, man. Like, you know, a lot of people, you've done a lot of great things. Like, so that that's one of the coolest stories I've had, you know. Obviously, everybody's heard the Jimi Hendrix story and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah, man, he just... What a, what a life he's had just an absolute legend and obviously all the stuff he's done for the game too um he's, he's just a great great guy to be around i remember one of the first times i ever spoke with him uh we were talking about baseball and i was like man and he was like yeah i got a lot of stories he goes i've been around the game for a long time just to explain it i saw hank aaron break the record and then i saw barry bonds break hank aaron's record so i've been there for a little bit of everything in baseball history i was like geez that's incredible <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I think he was on deck for Hank Aaron's, right? He was. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Also, little known fact about Dusty Baker, he invented the high five, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I don't think he likes to talk about it. I think Justin went to ask him about it, and he's like, oh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> but, yeah, Dusty I might, Baker. I might have to bring that up. I might have to hear the story <laughs> about that one. Yes. Let, let me know what it is. Um, all right. Another one. If you could take one pitch from any pitcher and put it in your own repertoire, what is it going to be? Wow. One pitch. I think I could go two routes. Can I give you, can I give you yeah. two? Is that allowed? Yeah. Okay. So you can do it for day. actual purposes, like if I was going to do that, I would pick Devin Williams change up because my change up is just probably my, my fourth offering. Yeah. So I think that would probably help me improve the most, but the most fun that I would probably have is like, give me Tim Wakefield's knuckleball. <laughs> just in there. I think that'd be great. That's a great answer. <laughs> Have you? Can you I throw a knuckleball? No, I always try to kind of mess around, but I don't think it's it's great for the forearm and things like that. <laughs> I don't know if if uh, the pitching coaches saw me if they'd be too happy, yeah. but it mine mine's okay. It's not great. You, Kyle Tucker has a pretty good one actually. He gets it to dance. He his is pretty good. Of course he does. I we were talking about this before <laughs> we started, but if you end up in the Astros fantasy football league this year, just do not make trades with Kyle. Just don't do it. <laughs> A nightmare, nightmare trader. He's going to try and jip you at every corner, every possible corner. <laughs> um, all right. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. But yeah, sometimes you piss people off in the process if it's too That's bad. Um, all right. Toughest hitter for you in your career. Maybe somebody you've struggled against, but your, your toughest hitter you've faced. Ooh. All time, huh? Yeah. Uh I mean, there's certain I, I don't I don't have any names in particular that like jump out at me, yeah. mostly because you know some of them I've only faced once or twice, yeah, um, like at at the big league level. But you know, there's there's like types of hitters that I particularly don't like, and it's kind of like just guys that find ways to get hits and yeah. like you know where where you can let's say you dot a fastball inside and they're not great inside fastball hitters but they they can bleed it over first base like, like the just Luis guys that rise really... type hitters yeah like those guys yeah. where you're like man that was pretty good pitch and you <laughs> still you still got me those those types of guys you know obviously really get under your skin um i'm trying to think i, I would love to give you a name but no that's good um yeah just it's definitely just more of a type of hitter i yeah. guess 
No, this this last one's way more important and arguably the most important question I'm going to ask you throughout this whole process because it's very important to Astros fans, I've learned. I'm from Virginia, didn't know the importance of this. You probably didn't early in your life. What are your thoughts on Bucky's? Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to upset anybody. Oh, you don't like it. It's like I mean, it's just like the breakfast taco, right? Like, that's what they got. I mean, it, yeah. I don't think it's anything. It's nothing to, like, super write home about. I mean, it's, I guess it's a quality breakfast taco, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go crazy. And also, I mean, I will have to say, like, the, probably the bigger controversy is, is Whataburger versus In-N-Out. And I, I, don't, uh, I don't particularly fall on the Texas side. So. You're In-N-Out. <laughs> yeah, I'm an In-N-Out burger. You might, be, sorry, you might be you might be disowned. Don't Not, get mad at me. I no know, Bucky's and, and in and out over Whataburger. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Hunter, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, wishing you well the the rest of the season and your forever friend of the pod now. Come back on whenever, my friend. All right, I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Good luck. See ya. All right, thanks again to Hunter for joining me. What a blast. I love Hunter Brown. What a great conversation that was. Also, Astros fans, do not be mad at him for the in and out and Bucky's thing. It's fine, but that was hysterical. He was genuinely worried. If you're just listening and not watching, he was genuinely concerned. You could see it that people were not going to like his answer. But uh, that was awesome. Always, always good hearing Dusty Baker's stories and his career already is going so well. I'm a big fan of his and I uh, hope he can continues the stretch that he is on and has an awesome career. I hope you all enjoyed listening to him. I really did. I thought that was a blast. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch everything we do on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. Thank you all for listening. Until tomorrow, my friends.